Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hayden Alabama podcast. I'm Philip. I'm Brad. And today with us we have Coach Heath Vines. Coach Vines, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. He's gonna he's we got him here for multiple purposes, mainly cosmetics. Uh, but he's also <laughs> is gonna give us some great knowledge on turkey hunting here. So let me go ahead and say what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, that's gonna be one of our biggest takeaways. Coach Vines here today. He's an avid turkey hunter. He's already limited the population a little bit this year is that true uh one might have fell in a hole might have fell in a hole and died so he's going to give us some some pro tips there on turkey hunting also he's going to be our inside into the tournament the baseball tournament that occurred down in gulf shores this past week brad what else are we going to talk about well he was talking about thinning out the population a little i've been working with heath for 17 years now and i'm pretty sure he's killed more animals than me and you have killed insects so oh man that's, he's, that's solid he, he's a I think he's a big outdoorsman and uh he's he's gonna give me a few tips hopefully i can get into it next year so i got three boys to feed and, and y'all's president is not helping with that situation y'all's pre- your president not mine i didn't vote for it. Uh, yeah uh-huh. all right so that's and then also we're going to talk about mob mentality what in the Facebook group, the Hayden Alabama Podcast Facebook group, one of our members weighed in and said, if you guys don't talk about what happened with the Amazon driver, basically there's nothing to talk about. So we got a few things. We read over the 200-plus comments on that event, the Amazon driver event. So we're just going to talk about mob mentality and maybe laugh a little bit about some of the, some of the comments that were made there. And then lastly... For our longtime listeners, this is episode 10. So this is kind of a landmark for us, episode 10 of the Hayden Alabama podcast. But back in, I think it was episode two, we talked about the Pokemon event. And we're going to bring that all the way back around and talk about the small world that we live in. I ran into his dad, and there's an interesting story there. So we're going to talk about that at the end and talk about just the irony there of it's a small world that we live in. So anyway... Well, Coach Vines, you're a Hayden guy. Yeah, I was born and raised here. Well, t- just walk us through, tell everybody out there a little bit about your, your childhood growing up here and then how you got to where you are today as a coach at the, and teacher at the high school. Okay. Um, well, I, for the first six years of my life, I lived uh, where most everybody knows is Josie's Place up here, the Petting Zoo, and uh, the big lake across from Crossroads. That's, yeah. That was our farm, I guess, or whatever, a little piece of dirt. I uh, lived there until I was six, and then we moved to the big metropolis of Ricetown, uh, which oh, wow. was like 10 we know, houses. We know somebody from there. Oh. Who's that? Ashley. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. That's bad. Uh, here we go already, uh, Ashley getting beat up. I know. I was accused of being ugly to Ashley this week, which is not true. Mm. Well, so <laughs> I, I, I'll try to get us back on track. Appreciate uh, that. There you go. So... Uh, so I've lived there, I guess, my whole life since. I uh, went off to Auburn uh, for college and moved to Georgia after that. Once I got married, lived there for about four and a half years. And when my oldest child was born, I told my wife we had, she had a choice. Um, me and the child was coming back to Town, and she could stay in Georgia or she could live with us, either one of the two. Of course, um, that's probably a lie because I wouldn't have told her that. But we did move back home, and I've been there ever since. Um, we were... Privileged and the good Lord blessed us. We bought um, 
Oh, I think about 50 acres there that joins my parents' farm that I grew up on there on the Mulberry River. And nice. so, you know, all, all I've ever known my whole life is, is if you can kill it, you're supposed to eat it. If you can catch it, you're supposed to eat it. And so that's what I've done most of my life is hunting fish and playing the creeks. And so a lot of life lessons that the good Lord's taught me through that. Awesome. What years were you at Auburn? Um, I was at Auburn, and Lord, you had to ask, because I've been to like five different colleges. Um, see, I played ball in junior college in 90, and then I was at Auburn 91 through 95. And then I actually taught at Opelika Middle School for the first two years there, uh, because I was dating my wife, and she was still in school. Um, and then I left there. We moved to North Georgia as we got married. I went to the University of Georgia. I uh, got my master's degree, then I went to Lincoln Memorial, got my specialist degree, and then I went to University of Alabama and worked on my doctorate's degree, and then child was born and priorities kind of changed. So wow. I, I finished all the courses and just didn't write the, the fa fancy little paper at the end. That's so. making me tired, all that schooling that you went through. <laughs> Nine and a half years, I think, and a lot of money. Yeah. Man. Wow, that is that is a lot. So are you an Auburn fan or an Alabama fan? Um, I'm an SEC fan. I'm, I'm an Auburn fan just because my granddad went there when it was the polytechnical school. Okay. So I, I have family ties. My wife's grandparents went there. Uh, so I, I'm an Auburn fan. But to be honest, when, when it comes football, basketball, whichever one can go the furthest, they're all from our state. Uh, I learned a real big lesson playing ball in college. The sport's really not about the fans as much as the fans want it to be. Us players, we always got along. Uh, even when I was at Auburn, I was rehabbing my knee and was going to attempt to play there. And watching those guys, like the football players at the Iron Bowl, they were buddies. Hmm. And after the game, they would hang out. And, hey, before y'all leave town, come over and hang out with us. It's the fans that are, are I guess, ravenous most of the time, not the players. I got gotcha. you. So. Hey, when you were at Opelika, you uh... – Taught or coach somebody that played at Auburn? What was it? Is it Will Herring? Is that right? I coached Will Herring, uh, TJ Jackson, Melvin Oliver. Uh, Melvin played for uh, Coach Saban at LSU when they won the national championship. And they were two or three others. Se several kids off that little squad went on and played different levels of uh, college and pros. And they made Will, they took him from a DB to a linebacker at Seattle, didn't they? They did. Actually, he was a quarterback in high school. I, I, I still make fun of him, even though he could, like, whip me now. Because um, in high school, he wore the pretty little uh, vest that said, nobody can touch you. And because oh. I'm a quarterback, and, you know, oh. they don't let quarterbacks get hit and that kind of – and then he goes to Auburn and sets a record at one time. I think – I don't know if COVID affected that or not, but he held the most consecutive starts of any player. And he was safety, then he moved him to linebacker, and then in the pros, he, I think he played seven and a half years in the pros as a middle linebacker. So, not bad for a skinny little kid uh, that played quarterback. Yeah. Wow. Now, you, you – so, take me to Hayden, since this is the Hayden Alabama podcast. Let's talk about your teaching and coaching there. Just give us uh, give us something. What, what do you teach there? What do you coach? All right. Um, I teach mainly seniors, environmental science. Um, but – I always have to fill in with at least a couple of other classes. So usually it's eighth grade science. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, I teach most years. Of course, if Mr. Hargan comes in and says, hey, I need you to do this class or that class, I do whatever he says. Right. Um, coaching wise, I have coached basketball there. Uh, I've coached junior high football. And now currently all I do is coach varsity football. So Awesome. <coughs> Excuse awesome. me. 
Well, that sounds good. Well, Brad, you got any? You you probably. I mean, you don't have as many questions about Coach Vines as I do. You have all the insight. Yeah, we've been we've been neighbors for a good while. Me and him are on the same hallway. We could if we had a extra hour, we could talk about the pranks that we pulled on each other, scaring each other with dead rattlesnakes. Wow. Him, uh, him a football going awry and me coming up with a bloody set of legs, and then. I threw it back to him, and it looked like uh, a dead duck was flying at him. Man. And he tried to catch it, and it jammed up his finger a little bit. And I don't think you took that ring off for a while, did you? I still can't get my wedding band off. Man, sorry about that. Oh, I think my wife just thinks. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> right. That's awesome. You're welcome, Nancy. I was just trying to keep him honest. Well, you got to enjoy what you do. Most days. Yeah. Most days. You know, it's like any job. Sometimes you, you get up and go, oh, I got to go to work. But uh, I've told folks for years, there's not many jobs you can go to that you have no clue what's going to happen that day. Because when you deal with with <laughs> thirteen to eighteen year old kids, from one day they hate you, the next day you're their best friend, and and they're asking you advice, and next day you're done dumb again. So you know it it, wow. it runs the gamut. So it's it's been a good career. Uh, I think this is year twenty eight for me, and uh, I'm I'm hoping. I actually told a, a couple of young ladies down at the beach that were there with their uh, siblings at the at the baseball tournament that I was probably going to graduate when they graduate, that that would be my time to, to get out, and that would be 32 years. That's probably long enough. They probably need somebody younger. All right. Well, let's segue and get some – I want you to talk about your experience turkey hunting because that's what you're going to give us is some pro tips today on turkey hunting. We're going to get into some specific questions. But just talk about how you got into it and how long have you been turkey hunting and why do you love it so much? Um, I started my sophomore year in college. My roommate um, actually was a turkey hunter. I, mm-hmm. di- I didn't do it growing up. Uh, we had a few deer here around Hayden at that time, but not a lot. I mean, if you saw five to seven in a week of daylight to dark hunting, you'd had a great week of hunting. So the deer population obviously is a lot better now. But uh, there were just not many turkeys around if you could find any. So I didn't do it. My dad's a a a six-day-a-week quail hunter, and now he's a quail and pheasant hunter because he hunts in Kansas. But, uh, you know, so that's what I grew up doing. Of course, like I said, if if it flew or swam or crawled, we we probably hunted it at some point just to eat. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, my, my sophomore year, my roommate was from Monroeville, and he was came from a, a forestry family and um they were big hunters and turkey hunting he was like oh you'll love it you'll love it i didn't really think i would i borrowed a gun to actually do it because you have to have a special gun typically to uh to turkey hunt and and i went with him and and got to kill one the first trip or first three days i think we went and i came home sold one gun bought a different gun i still own it uh and, and i've been hooked ever since what's your favorite turkey gun Right now, I'm shooting a, a Frenchie, uh, or some people call it Franchi. I don't know. I can't. I'm, I say it redneck. So um, it's a 20 gauge. I've switched over. I, I shot a three and a half inch 12 gauge for years. Thought you had to be a man. You had to tote that. And uh, I'm getting old, and I want lighter, and I want uh, better. And I finally got out of the cave and, and got into what some of the new shells and the new sights and that kind of. And so I, I, that's my favorite gun. It's probably be the one I die with now. But I still have my old one. Like I said, it's it kicks like a mule. It'll bruise you every <laughs> single time it, you shoot it. It literally bruises your arm. You say that's a 20 gauge? The old one is a 12 gauge. It's a three and a half okay. inch 12 gauge. Okay. I was going to ask you, uh, well, a 12 gauge, is it just – damage them too much or what's what's ideal um my ideal now is 20 gauge with the new shells that are out um 
with with the tungsten shells or TSS, uh, I started loading my own before you could actually commercially buy them. Uh, I would do it myself, and then now you can everybody can buy them. Um, the twenty gauge to me does great. Um, you're not going to damage the turkey a whole lot if you do your job, because you shoot a turkey in the head. You don't shoot them in the body, and all the meat obviously is in the breast, in the body. So uh, you shoot them in the head, and like I said, the new shells you can you can get more pellets, you can get further distance, you can get tighter patterns, and so the little twenty gauges work really well. They're compact, light, easy to move in the brush. So that would be my my perfect gun would be a twenty gauge. Right. So for a rookie like me, someone that's never been, decided I want to go one day. I just take off with my 12 gauge and I got my sport shot or my bird shot. Am I going to come back sad because I didn't drop anything? Um, you're probably going to kill the bird. You're just not going to find the bird. Okay. Cause, you know, shot's going to kill it if you hit it even in the body. Uh, but turkeys don't bleed. You know, so therefore if you shoot it and it runs over the hill, uh, you have no way of tracking it. So it's not like a deer that you can track it to where where you find it laying from blood or that. So, uh, again, you, you want to shoot it in the head where when you shoot it, it's, it's right there. You know, and so regular bird shots going to kill it potentially, but it's going to maybe days down the road as it gets infected oh, or man. something like that. So, you know, uh, again, as a hunter, ethical shots are supposed to be the best. And so you keep them within a certain distance and, and you only take the ones you know are 100%. What's that distance that you like to get them, get them to? Um, I really like everything to be within 30 yards, which Whoa. is really hard. Uh, with a turkey because they have eyesight that they literally can see your eyes blink. Um, you can't move when they're looking. I mean, the one I killed uh, recently or talked into dying, um, <laughs> it, it, it actually realized that I shifted on the tree, even though it didn't see me move. When it stepped out from behind the tree, it immediately knew, hey, something's different. Wow. And it was ready to go immediately. And so I had to, you know, go ahead and take the shot. I, I didn't get to watch the show a whole long time just because of that. But you know, like I said, it, it had already done its job and got close enough. But I, I would say with the new shells, 40 yards is a good shot. Now, they say you can shoot them 70, you can shoot them 80 yards. To me, that's just not ethical, and, and it takes the sport out. Like I said, killing something is the added bonus. It, for turkey hunting, for me, it's being out there. It's the challenge uh, of trying to get it within that 30 yards. Do you have a favorite story? I have a bunch of stories. Again, I, 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 I've I'm not saying this to, to brag because it's not me, it's the good Lord, but uh, I've never tasted alcohol. I've never smoked. I've never dipped. Uh, I, I, I've never, turkey hunting is an addiction. Mm. Um, so I live, breathe it. My wife says that, that, you know, she thinks that's pretty much what I think about 365 days a year. When it's not season, I'm thinking about the next season. Wow. Did you kill uh, this turkey with the jawbone of a donkey? Because you start to sound like a, a Nazarene. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I, for for lack of being bad, I have caught one before. <laughs> it actually got close enough I caught one. Are you one serious? Time. You ring its yeah. neck. All right, I got to no, hear the story. No. Tell the story. Well, um, I was hunting and um, had one come in, and it was one I wasn't going to shoot. It wasn't a, a grown gobbler. Um, but it came in, and I was sitting on a huge, huge, huge oak tree, and it literally walked around ducked under the barrel of my gun and as it walked by the front of my legs and by my hand I just grabbed and I thought I, I really didn't think I would get it I'll be honest I was just as surprised as it was I got a hold to one leg and then it was me and it and probably if somebody could have filmed they could have made a lot of money because oh. we were wrestling on the ground and and going crazy and 
So, you know, it, it made for a funny story, but, you know, I probably wouldn't do it again. It tore my clothes. I mean, the claws on those things are pretty sharp, and it for tore sure. my clothes up and yeah. everything else. But you, you, know. you, but you killed it with your hands. Well, I didn't kill it. I just caught it. You, oh, you let it go. I let it go. Wow, that's so, crazy. So and most folks will say I'm lying, but I, I promise, like I said, I, I, I could prove it other ways, but I won't. But, if you wanted but, to end it, what would you have done? Just wring its neck like yeah, a chicken? Yeah, you'd its neck like a chicken. Okay. So finish it or, or just, <laughs> I, I would have let go and shot him as he ran off. Cause I'm telling you, I was bloody. It, it looked like I'd been stuck like a hog. Wow. Thing, so. He he wasn't, he wasn't caring to be caught. No, he did not like me grabbing hold of him. Like I said, he <laughs> went to kicking and flogging and clawing and yeah. Wow. So, but, uh, no, I bet not many people can say that. I, I, like I said, I've got a bunch of stories. Uh, one of my favorite stories is I got to call for a gentleman that was, I think he was 92 at the time and he had never killed one. Um, and, and, you know, and that was fun. Uh, he, he couldn't get around good, so I had to set, like, makeshift blinds, if you want to say I cut limbs and stacked them up in several places at his property. And then we brought him in on, like, an electric cart and just help him out. Oh. And then I would do the calling. And, you know, so that was fun to watch him, you know, try to kill his first one. Um, got to call for a doctor from Chile one time that he flew in. Somebody – actually, my wife was having surgery, and I started talking to the anesthesiologist, and he – one thing led to another, and he called back about two weeks later and said, hey, I need you to call for somebody. And, you know, I, I went and called so he could have one to mount and put in his doctor's office wall. Wow. So, uh, you know, it's different stuff. I carried a lot of kids hunting through the years. Uh, watching a kid or adult kill their first one is always, you know, fun. Because, like I said, I, this year's turkey makes every year but one that I've killed a turkey since I started turkey hunting. And the year I didn't, Coach Stockman, I remember that. His wife remembers it well because she's the one that carried me to the emergency oh, yeah. hospital. But I, the day before turkey season came in, I snapped my Achilles. And so I was in a boot and surgery like on Monday and that kind of stuff. And that's the only year I didn't kill one. And I almost got it done on crutches, dragging myself the last weekend of the season. I just made myself go. And, and I almost got it done, but it's hard to cross creeks in crutches. So. I'm surprised but, you didn't get a hover round with a 50 cal mounted on it. <laughs> if it was and legal, win anyway. I might. If it was legal, I might. Well, well, so I've always heard that because I'm I love to hunt and fish. Turkeys just we didn't have them around the house when I was growing up, so I never learned how to hunt them. But what I've heard is is that when you call, so that's the main thing is is calling them. That that's actually opposite of nature. Is that true? It's a hundred percent. That's why it's so hard. In in nature, the the when when the birds wake up in the morning and it's breeding season, the gobbler's going to gobble in the tree, and that what he's doing is saying, "Hey, ladies, I'm over here." And when he flies down, the hens come to him. And when you're doing it hunting, you're trying to sound like a hen to make him come to you, and so that's what makes it really difficult sometimes because if they're not in the right mood, they're just not coming. And if there's hens there, that makes it even more challenging because course they're going to run to him and then they're jealous and so if they can they're going to take him the opposite direction you're calling a lot of the times now not all the time but a wow lot of times. i didn't know that so the secret so. of turkey hunting is catfishing a turkey catfishing a tom kind of pretend to be something that you're not or like the one <laughs> I, the one that died this week and um i made him think there was another male there that's uh -oh. the only way i could get him to respond and when i did he literally ran at me ready to fight wow so, that you know, sometimes you have to, I guess, play dirty. But what are you doing hunting in Sodom and Gomorrah? 
<laughs> well, he wasn't he wasn't coming for that purpose. He was no, coming okay. to whip my rear end. Oh, he wanted to challenge you. He, he yeah. got a he, he said got I'm your huckleberry. He got he got a, a swarm of TSS shot to the head. So man, <laughs> just like that. Well, so let's let's talk about when we talked about well, and another thing. So after we got off the phone asking you if you would join us for today, so I left here headed to my mom's, and lo and behold. I, I almost hit two turkeys, and I have the video, and I may oh, put it in the podcast. Where's this at? Well, I might have to talk about that after the show. All right. <laughs> but I thought that was so funny. So I've got it on, I got my phone out. I think I've got pictures of them on the side. They're over there running away from me. But anyway, we can talk about that, the the DZ. Just, just Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll go. But I thought that was neat. Us hunters are crazy. Yeah, There'll I, be people knocking on your door tonight. Okay. Three people just showed up there. Yeah. Well, it is proprietary information I'm willing to sell maybe at this point. No, I'm just kidding. But So give me the – Two or three number one tips if you were going to share with somebody. I got one. I mean, let me lead you on one of them. So for like me, I get permission from Mr. Smith. That's that's generic for you crazy turkey hunters out there. He's got 50 acres, and he told me I could come hunt on his place. What do I need to do first things out of the gate on that property to be to make it a good you know to have a good chance of killing a turkey we know they're on the property somewhere okay i was gonna say first thing is are there turkeys there because um there is a lot of property that there are no turkeys there okay uh and you can have turkey turkeys have a fall winter range and a spring summer range so you can have turkeys all fall all winter and go oh we got turkeys we got turkeys and spring comes and you're like well why come i never see a turkey because they've moved and they'll move five to seven miles to find a better region because you know they nest on the ground so they got to have the right nesting habitat they got to have the right uh bugging habitat you know to catch bugs for the little chicks and that kind of thing um but if you know there's birds there for sure um first thing i would do probably would just be walk the property learn learn the property but do it early enough that you're not going to spook them off do okay. it do it before season long enough in advance um but woodsmanship it kills more turkeys than anything uh knowing where they want to go uh turkeys don't like creeks they don't like to cross them whenever you're calling to them uh literally a single strand bob wire fence will turn them around uh, wow you know uh, any kind of uh, rock bluff bank something that any kind of obstacle um you know, they don't like thickets. They don't like, you know, they got to have places where they can take off running and then fly real quick to get away from coyotes, bobcats, those kind of things. So, you know, just learn the property, learn learn where they want to roost at. They have certain kinds of trees and size trees they like to roost in more than others. Um, you know, that, that would be my first thing. Okay. Um, then from there, like I said, as, as season rolls around or maybe a week before season, then I, I like to get out before daylight and be sitting there when the sun comes up. And just listen for them to gobble. And that'll tell you, hey, he's staying over in this part of the, you know, the farm. And, and then, you know, you just get a game plan from there. And usually you better have about three because the first plan A, plan B is not going to work. So maybe C will. That's awesome. Now you, I have gone turkey hunting. I've, I've yet to see, I've yet to be in the woods when they gobbled, you know, close to them. And I've yet to see one while I had a gun in my hand. But what we did do is go around to different parts and do the hoot owl mm-hmm. so what tell me about that why are we doing that it's you're you're trying to do what's called shot gobble uh any kind of real loud noise sudden noise will make them and an owl's natural so therefore they kind of do it naturally to owls 
Um, so I, I hoot owl in the morning this morning. I was somewhere listening uh, before church, and I hoot owled, mm-hmm. you know, to try to get it, get get one to gobble. Uh, you can crow call at them, a real loud crow call. Uh, you can do that. Of course, you can buy calls, you know, to do those. Uh, I, I'm just a redneck, so I learn to do them with my mouth. <laughs> so right. I do them on my own, just with my own voice. Um, you know, you can make a hawk sound. Uh, actually, one that was kind of popular back in the 80s and 90s was a, a, a peacock sound. Uh, it's it's just a real high-pitched squeal sound, and, and it'll make them. It's just a shot gobble. I've had them gobble to cows. I've had them gobble <laughs> to train horns. Uh, a car horn, uh, slamming a door, you know, just different things. They'll got coyotes howling. Uh, you'll hear a lot of people use a coyote howl. Huh. Uh, I just don't like using a predator call. Yeah. You know, to me, that would be like, hey, I'm over here, predator, run the other way, you know. Come to kill you. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, scared to come outside. <laughs> I was just going to say that. They're scared to come outside. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's good. You gave me some insight there. What, and then also, you get excited. Let's say you're 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 actually gun in hand, and you give that call. That's that's kind of dangerous for the turkey, isn't it? Because now you're. If, if I'm not any good, I I've been lucky through my life and, and killed. I won't name how many, uh, but I, I've killed my fair share of, of all kinds of animals, as Brad says. But I've killed my share of, of turkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, if he lets me know he's there, my patience level just went through the roof if i don't know he's there it's hard to be patient because for me turkey hunting again is not about pulling the trigger it's the hunt Mm -hmm. and of course the more he gobbles the more fun it is the more challenge it is i told somebody this past week before season came in they was like i bet you hope you find a gobbler by himself with nothing else around so you can kill him and i said no i'd rather have a gobbler with like 10 hens and they were like you're crazy and i was like yes i am because I want the challenge, mm. you know, again, killing one, that's, that's just a perk, mm-hmm. you know, it's the challenge. And I guess it makes a, a dumb person like me feel good mm-hmm. because a turkey has a, a, a brain about the size of your thumbnail. I mean, it's tiny <laughs> well, I and it can whip somebody that has a doctorate's degree. It can whip somebody that's a, a, a rocket scientist and it can whip a redneck too. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me feel like I'm on a level playing field with those really smart people because we all get whipped by them, you know? And, and so uh, I, I like the challenge of it, uh, trying to figure out how to beat something that really doesn't want to come to you. Anyhow. Like a chess match. What's, right. what's the limit on a turkey? You have- One a day and the state of Alabama last year, I think last year was the first year they lowered it to four. Okay. I got a feeling they're going to lower it more in the next few years. They've changed the season up now. Uh, they're trying to – the turkey population, at least by what the state says, is on a big decline. Mm. Um, I don't know that I believe that 100%, uh, but they say it's on a big decline. And so, you know, if, if they need to lower it to one, I'd rather them lower it to one so that there's turkeys to hunt when I'm 80 years old. You know, oh, yeah. if I can drag myself around, I'm still going to be hunting them, so – all right, what you got? Do you have one or one or two things that you would tell you when your sophomore year of college when you were getting started? If there's something, just just something significant that you learned that really helped you out a lot. Um, less is more. I had an old gym. I hung out. There was a outdoors place there in Opelika, and I would go sit for hours. And these old guys that we would all call old farts now, they sat around and played checkers and they told hunting stories, and. One of the things they kept telling me was less is more. Less, and I didn't understand it. I, I still like to talk too much sometimes. I, I like to call too much when I got my calls in my mouth. Um, 
And what they were saying is, shut up. Make a call. Let him know you're there. When he responds to your call, shut up. Don't call him more. Let him do. Let him come find you. Play hard to get, as you would say. Yeah. Play hard to get. If you're mm. running around going, "Hey, I'll take any guy," <laughs> then you know, yeah. you know what you're gonna get. Uh, you know, but if if you're playing hard to get, then everybody, you got everybody's attention. Wow. And so, you know that that's a hard thing for me because, like I said, I want him to gobble. I want the show. I want I want the fun, and to call once or twice and go, "All right, I'm done." And the only way I can do that most of the time is I literally have to take the call out of my mouth, put it in my pocket, and go, I'm done. So the desire is so strong. Oh, I want, I want to make him gobble. And I, I, I've carried, I carried Coach Glover uh, turkey hunting one time, and I bet I made the turkey gobble 100, 150, 200 what? times. What? But we didn't kill him. But I wanted him to hear it because it was his first time ever going. Gotcha. And I could have called once, let him gobble, hushed, and probably would have killed him. But I wanted him to get fired up about it. And, you know, every time he'd gobble, he'd look at me like, oh, oh, here he comes. You know, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, he's not coming. I've done you calls. Knew but I knew. <laughs> I'd already called too wow. much. But, you know, it, it was a good show. And, and so I've done that with other people, not because I didn't want them to kill one, just because I wanted them to have that, oh, yeah. listen to him shake the leaves every time he, you know, gobbles kind of thing. Um, you know, and because I don't want other people to turkey hunt. I'd rather nobody else ever pick it up because right. leave more for me. Right. Uh, but turkey hunting has become very popular. I don't know whether the podcast or, or just videos, YouTube mm-hmm. ha- has made it very, very popular with the, the 18 to 30 year olds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't turn, you can't click on YouTube without finding videos and that kind of stuff. And, and you know, so the, the fields in the, in the woods are full of people now. You can't go somewhere without somebody going, oh, I already got somebody turkey hunting here. You know, where, wow. where growing up, you could knock on any. When I started Auburn, I probably had 10, 15,000 acres that I could hunt of private land. Because any door you knocked on, yeah, go ahead. Hunting clubs that would have two or 3,000 acres. Yeah, go ahead. Nobody turkey hunts. Wow. Now, you can't find anywhere. You know, so you if you find five acres, you better jump on it kind of thing. You know, and if it's the right spot, five acres can kill a turkey. Now, that's a postage stamp, but, you know, you can kill them. I'd rather have 500 so I can walk. So. That's right. So... Any other pro tips? Any other big thing that you'd like to share? You think would be help somebody out? Um, uh, again, patience. Uh, the one, the one that I killed Saturday, I started at daylight and I killed him at almost eleven. Oh, he wow. did not gobble until about a minute before I killed him. So I, I literally called and moved, call and move, and just real slow, patient, call a little bit, sit for thirty minutes. How far would you move? 100 yards. Okay. 75 yards. You know, just next ridge, the next around the curve, whatever you could get to where you felt like, okay, now I'm in a new spot. And like I said, you just call a few times, um, and then you just wait, and then you move a little bit, and then you wait, and then you move a little bit. And and like I said, he gobbled one time to let me know he was there, and when he did, it was literally, I, I think he was running to me to fight. Before when I, I mean, when I saw him, he was already in strut and, and he was looking, but he, he covered a lot of ground in, in, a, in a minute just to get to where I was at. And I think it was just a fight because the only thing he got, only thing he gobbled to was me gobbling at him. Now, that's with your mouth? You do the gobble? Uh, I, I, I can do it with my mouth, but I have another device that okay. I use for it. But uh, like I said, that's, that's the only reason he gobbled. He would not gobble it. I had four or five calls laying in my lap that I'd been calling and he hadn't said a word. What's your favorite call? Um, a mouth call. 
Okay. I, I'm big on mouth calls because I can keep my hands on my gun and I don't have any motion. Because like I said, if you move, if you just twist your head, even though you're totally camouflaged, head net, everything, if you just turn your head, they're going to see it. They, 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 they can see changes in their environment really fast. And like I said, this one that I killed, I had to lean out around a tree. He didn't see me lean out and get in position. As soon as he stepped out, he knew something was wrong immediately. He, well, he knew, hey, something's wrong against that tree. That's not what it looked like a while ago. In that little bitty brain. Yep. And like I said, unfortunately, uh, a swarm of uh, nine shot was headed in his direction, so they <laughs> wouldn't know where he could go. Tungsten groove, baby. There you go. It seems like most hunters have got a, a, a story of like a scary moment or a close call. You ever had a run-in outside in one of these hunting trips, deer, turkey, whatever, rattlesnake, wild <laughs> hog or anything? Um, I, I, I've seen plenty of snakes, um, you know, uh, and I, I know one really big guy that teaches next door to me that won't turkey hunt just because of snakes. Yep. Um, but you know, uh, I don't, I, nothing, nothing major like anybody or anything like that. Uh, I've had coyotes and bobcats get within four or five yards of me before I could get a shot at them. Um, and, and that's, that's something I tell turkey hunters as a different thing. Kill every predator you can, even if it means you mess up your turkey hunt. Hmm. Because you shoot one coyote, you may just save ten turkeys. Wow! You know, you know. So every time you can kill a coyote, a bobcat, uh, a raccoon, or, uh, a fox, and I know a lot of people. Oh, they're pretty. Kill them because they're eating your rabbits, they're eating your quail, they're eating your. You know, they're eating your food sources. If you really mm-hmm. want to say, if, if times got tough, but yeah, I, I would. I've had predators get really, really close. Uh, like literally, they were hunting me. Krauts. I, I killed a bobcat. Really? I killed a bobcat probably maybe five yards, and it was in Krauts' position, ready to attack. Um, you know that kind well, of thing. Speaking of predators being local, we always hear that occasional story of a mountain lion. Mm-hmm. You give you credibility to that in Blunt County. There's a lot of folks that say they've seen or heard or this or that. I, I'm camera poor. I got trail cameras where i mean a, a squirrel can't go to the bathroom without i'm getting bad pictures of the squirrel uh and i've never got a picture of it uh i don't know of anybody that does have a picture of it and us alabama rednecks we got cameras at, on every tree that seems like so can there be some here sure mm-hmm. but I, I i'm hard pressed with there's no evidence so i would say no i know in south alabama uh there have been a few pictures of some but it's been florida panthers that have come up usually it's the juvenile males and they're making a course if you want to say looking for new homes uh, but they don't stay they go back to the florida panhandle and further are these black or are these the traditional like blonde <laughs> there's no such thing as a black panther is there not a puma or some well, kind there's of a puma, but there's not a black panther. Is there two a different, really? two different organisms? Oh, so no science guy. Well, I've got no rebuttal. Uh, yeah, that's history guy. Okay, it's while well, while we're on local predators, can you give any confirmation of a bear ever being local? We were talking about that when we were over at Blunt Springs the other day. We looked over at Top Hat, and I was reminded of that story early mid '90s that there had been a a bear sighting over there. There's been several bear sightings. There's been two killed in Hayden that really? I know of by automobiles. Really? Uh, the snake's real fast to sweep those up and get them gone. Uh, one was killed over towards Rickwood Cavern several years ago. 
and it was hit by a car, and within 30 minutes it was gone and never to be seen again. Mm, wow. And then one was hit on the interstate uh, between Logan's and the backside of Smoke Rise exit. And if Joe Blow comes through and says, hey, there's a bear, and he picks that thing up and scoops it, that boy's in trouble, isn't he? Uh, you have to get a – you have to – like, you could pick it up, but you would have to call the, the – department real quick and get a permit for it and you can't like go have it mounted or anything like that you would okay. have to get a permit for it okay so. and, and these are black bears that yes. we would see around here yeah and they do come through we've seen uh maybe once in my life twice down on the river we've seen a track mm-hmm. uh, of them um you know and, and again what the state says is that's the bears coming out of uh, tennessee the juvenile males and they're looking they're they're on their walkabout trying to find a new t- territory, mm-hmm. and so they'll make a big loop. They'll sometimes they'll say, you know, a thousand mile loop, Whoa. just trying to figure out where a new territory is. I you remember know. about two years ago, uh, they had one in a uh, residential area over in Alexandria, which is funny because they're called the Valley Cubs. We know them yeah. from sports, and unfortunately, it, that's true. And um, but yeah, they they tranquilized it hey hey, a funny on the valley cubs shout out to my son he's one of the few that tackled ronnie royal Uh, he's got a funny story about that because he said he was playing defensive end before he played quarterback okay and he said the lineman picked him up through him and as he was rolling on the ground getting pancaked (laughs) uh ronnie royal tripped over him he said so but i was like the only one that tackled him all game yeah he tripped over me so well he's no longer a a bear he's now a dolphin right yes Yes. heavily recruited guy yes we'll probably see him i guess next year we'll probably see him signing but somewhere so we'll, we'll we'll come back to the whole signing we want to mention something about that with you later ask you a question about that but I'll, I'll hush and we'll get back to the animals and shooting and whatnot and eating well i think it's a good time to segue uh, thank you for sharing that we you know so that time of year i thought it'd be good to have somebody on here that knew a whole lot more about it than us well, so we appreciate you sharing I, I don't know a lot about it like i said i just get lucky sometimes and well and you know like i said it looks better than skill a lot of things i heard that so well, we I'm going to be, it, yeah, I'm going to use you as a resource next year. Um, I, I, I took that, that hunter's education course this year, but then I decided I didn't want to spend all that money on a rifle. So that'll come next year. So hopefully I'll get to drop me a deer next year. And, uh, I, I don't care any, anything about the sport of it. I want to eat it. I, I want some meat in the freezer. Uh, so cause three boys, my goodness. The, the, my, my son eats between, Four and six pounds of ground deer meat a week. Wow, that's good. On his diet. That's well, that, that that'll protein. that'll explain the the lean mass that the boy has put on. So yeah, it helps, but it's still expensive. Yeah, I imagine so. But uh, we my, look out there on the basketball court. I like to say that I'm shocked. I'm not shocked at all. I mean, there's there's. I mean, you don't get that big by just doing nothing. Yeah, and eating nothing. So that's good. A lot of a lot of protein and a lot of sweat, right? Yeah. One more thing on turkey hunting. Come on. If you've never started, my my biggest advice is if you love your wife, don't start because mm. you might end up divorced. <laughs> That's uh, not I, good. I mean, and I'm I'm saying that jokingly, but make sure that you keep priorities right because again, I I am addicted to it. I love my wife. I die for my wife. But I'd have to think if somebody offered me some money Uh-oh. or a good piece of property, <laughs> a good piece of property, you know, I have a few turkeys. I, on. I don't know, you know, so well, but. But no, in, in all seriousness, it is it's a it's a time consuming, it's an expensive hobby, um, and it's addictive. I mean, it really is. I've deer hunted my whole life. I love deer hunting. I'll deer hunt every day I can. I'd give up deer hunting tomorrow. And all you turkey hunters say that. Well, there's got to be a reason. If you know true turkey hunters, we're all crazy. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, 
so you know if, if you're thinking about starting keep a level head um keep hunters etiquette and ethics um it, it, there's a running joke that property lines only exist during other seasons not during turkey season. that's wrong <laughs> i mean i as a property owner that's wrong as a turkey hunter that's still wrong even though right. I, i'm gonna get as close to that line as i can i've let birds walk off that literally were two feet across the painted line because i'm just not gonna shoot them on somebody wow. else's place because i don't want somebody doing that on mine uh you know but just just do the right thing do what we're supposed to do in our life to everybody and that is treat others above yourself mm-hmm. um because like i said we're crazy and uh turkey hunters will stab each other in the back and try to get a, if you got permission on a piece of property and they find out you kill one somebody else is going to be there knocking on the door trying to get them to kick you off so that they can hunt and i've got a real good friend over in corner and we have a great relationship turkey hunting wise if I know he's got permission on a piece of property, I won't ask. Yeah. If I know he's got permission on a piece of property, I won't ask the neighbor out of respect for him. He does the same with me. And if everybody did that, you know, you're going, you have to get permission from people. So you got to knock on doors and you're going to cross paths and knock on the same door. Somebody else is hunting already, that kind of stuff. But if you just don't do it intentionally or you then work it out, okay, there's two of us. I'll come this day. If I kill one, then I won't come back. Mm-hmm. I'll let somebody else try to, kill one you know if you do it that way uh it'll go a lot better so if you're just starting don't let it don't let it obsess you and don't let it do you do things that you regret later so good words so you start us off with some practical tips in the hunt and then you finish us off with some ethical tips i like it i think that's well i'm gonna follow that good example and let everybody know where i get my turkeys at i go to Publix and piggly wiggly and garden and old warrior <laughs> that's right that's that's my kind of turkey so but I want to ask one last question. I, I'm going to sound like a rookie, which I am. Uh, if your goal is to go out, drop you a bird, what, what's what's the process from there? If you want to eat that thing as quickly as possible, take its head off, pluck it, gut it, fry it, um, in that order? Well, I don't pluck a wild turkey. Um, the legs on a wild turkey is not like the legs. Like you see everybody walking around with a big turkey leg, eating on it and all you don't want to eat a wild turkey's leg unless you're going to put it in a crock pot and like cook it forever and then throw all of it away and use the liquid as a broth or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they're, they're, a turkey's main escape is its legs. So mm-hmm. they run all the time. So they're very stringy, very tendony. They're, they're just, they're tough. Uh, <laughs> so on a wild turkey, about the only really what I would say good part is the breast. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I flay them off. You just flay them off the breastbone, and you end up with two halves. They're going to usually weigh, you know, five pounds a piece roughly on each half, and, and it's just pure white meat at that point. And then you can smoke them. Um, is that you, your favorite way to cook them? Um, <laughs> I know this is going to sound horrible. I don't really care to eat them that much. So, like the one, the one that I was blessed with um, this weekend – um, I actually traded it to somebody nice. already and I love Koneka sausage. And so they were like, Hey, I'd like to have a turkey breast. And I was like, well, Hey, that's a good deal. Why don't we do this? And they said, well, okay, that'll work for me. If, and I was like, sure, it works for me. I feel so, like both y'all won. So I, th- I, I mean, I think so. Cause I think they got what they wanted. I got what I wanted, you know, and like I said, cause it, I'm, I'm a very picky, imagine that eater as a fat guy. 
And so there's certain <laughs> things I like and certain things I don't. And, you know, it, it's okay. And, and Coach Allen, who, who coaches football, he can smoke one, and, and now he'll make you fight over it. But I'm just not that good yeah, of he, a cook. I've, I've tried his ribs. He's... Yeah, I, I'm not that good of a cook. I can burn water. Okay. So, you know, uh, so like I said, it, it was a good deal for me. I got to do the hunting, got the enjoyment, and then, like I said, I'll get some connect sausage out of it. All right, good so. deal. All right, well, let's segue to Gulf Shores. So let's leave the woods and go to the beach. You were down there for the Hayden Varsity Boys baseball tournament, spring break tournament. Just give us a just a recap, maybe some highlights, a couple of minutes here from that tournament. Um, it was a good tournament for the boys, I think. Of course, I'm getting to just play dad, which has been great. Yeah. Uh, this is my son's first year to go back and play baseball since 10 years old. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's crazy. As a senior, he decided to do this, but – uh, he's had a great season so far, and, and the main reason he's had a great season is, is the group of boys and the coaches. Um, my dad what, comes to some of the games, and he said, you know, he said, what's so different about it? They're, they're all just having fun. They're cutting up. They're laughing. They're having a good time. They want to win, mm-hmm. but they get along well together. They seem to have each other's backs well. Uh, and, and so this trip was just another example of that. Um, the baseball was good. Uh, we played, or should I say they played, um, two really, really big schools out of Arkansas. Uh, like when I say big, I'm talking like two, 3000 student schools. Um, and, uh, I think one of them may even have won the state championship last year or played for it. Uh, one of them was the number one team right now in the tournament. Uh, and we played them to like two and three point ball games. Uh, so they had, we had a good tournament. It was cold. We started off the week in toboggans and jackets and blankets, and we finished in shorts and t-shirts. Uh, so it, it was a big change in weather down there, but, uh, started off, um, uh, Shiloh Christian, I think out of Little Rock in Arkansas, uh, they beat us by three runs. I think it was a tie ball game in, going into the fifth, and and they managed to get, uh, three runs those last couple of innings, and we just couldn't muster anything else up. Uh, then we won the next game by run rule. Uh, so we beat um, team out of Tennessee. And then we played uh, an, two more Arkansas teams, and one of them beat us by one in the last inning. Oh, and then one of them, uh, we had a, a crazy thing happen. We were in the middle of the game, had a, a foul tip hit the ump in the head, um, Knocked him silly, had mm. literally had to escort him away, had to bring in an umpire from another facility. So we had about a 30, 35-minute delay um, in that game. Uh, and then they cut a lot of our time. So instead of getting to play seven innings, we only got to play five. We were on a really good comeback. Uh, and so they beat us by two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the number one team in the whole thing. And then so, you know, it was a good time. Uh, the, the boys played well. They played hard. Uh, hopefully we can keep that going because uh, as soon as we get back, we'll have a week this week of, I guess, tune-ups. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be into region play. And, you know, you got to you – gotta, Got to win or you, your season's done at the end after yes, it's all sir. over with. So, you know, but like I said, it's a fun team to watch. Like I said, um, good pitching, bats, you know, are, are going well for, for most of them at this point. And like I said, it's hopefully they get better every day. Awesome. Did y'all play down at the Sportsplex there, County Road 6? Well, we played at one game at Gulf Shore Sportsplex, one game at Foley High School, and two games at Orange Beach Sports. Yeah. That, that Sportsplex is a great facility. That's where we have the – State track meet there where the football field is. Right. Good place. Oh, well, yeah. How about uh, the boys hitting bombs this week? 
don't think we had any home runs hit. We had, like I said, uh, had some some good hot bats. Uh, Caden Mason's continuing to hit the ball well. Um, Kyler Lehman probably had the hottest bat of anybody there, which was good because we really need him to, you know, here as we go down the stretch. Um, you know, and there was two or three others that, that got some hits. Um, like I said, pitching pitching went pretty well for us. Um, and, and so, but yeah, those, those two probably had the hottest two bats. We're just going to blame it on the Gulf Breeze. I'm sure there was some wind down there. That wind is vicious down there. Houston Howard, when uh, his relay team qualified for state, of course, Houston, he, he couldn't have weighed 130 pounds, but he was running down that back stretch, down the back 100, and that wind gusted through, and it about stood him up. He, he was leaning into it as he was running. So wind is a is a factor down there. Mm-hmm. It so. is, and it cost us some hits, but it cost other teams some hits because we had right. some deep shots that would just hang in the air forever and let mm-hmm. somebody get under them. So, you know, but that, again, it can help us too. So. Yeah. Well, let's um, – <coughs> Let's go to – you got anything else, sports or anything? Are, are you ready to go to the mob mentality? Let's get to the mob mentality. All right, we're going to talk about, as requested in the group, the Facebook post. So I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to paraphrase here. Don't look for any verbatim. But basically what happened is a Facebook user locally, I don't even know exactly where she's from, but she obviously has a gate on her property that, that she uses to keep people out of her property. And she had put on the package, it was an Amazon delivery, so you can kind of specify what you need done with your delivery. And she had said, leave it at the gate. Well, obviously that note or however that is was overlooked and the person took it to her porch and laid the package there by her door, which is the common procedure at my house. I don't know about you guys, but when we order from Amazon, they bring it, just put it right there on the front door. Mm-hmm. And so she that was not her desire. And so she goes, she gets on Facebook and kind of airs it out. Her discouragement that the, the instructions weren't followed. And then she kind of talked about the guy's appearance that he was, you know, his appearance wasn't as good as she had hoped for. And what we have to think about, you know, she was discouraged and she probably thought, or it would be natural to think that most, she thought most people would agree with her, but that's not what happened. All right. The wolves came out. I'm telling you, so 200, then <laughs> this is the last that I looked, 210 comments were made on that one post. And they were almost all against her. And I'm going to say there's probably 75 of those people that were just sitting there waiting for something like this. They were but chomping at the bit. Yeah, some of them were sitting there like, what can I do? What can I do? Oh, here's my chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the keyboard fired up. Here's my shot. I feel like you got something you wanted to say. You, you know, he does. I'm I'm not a Facebook person. I get on there sometimes, but usually it's just to see pictures that maybe somebody's posted from a sporting event or family or something. But uh, it just blows my mind. People live to get on that thing, and and <laughs> I don't know. That's like that's where their life is. And I got yeah. I got I, I'm I'm as boring as the day is long, but I got way too much stuff to do than get on the book of faces. The book of faces. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a great philosopher. I don't know if y'all have heard of him. His name is Mike Tyson. Mm. You may recognize that name. Oh, from Tattoo Mike Face. Yeah, from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Oh, yeah. He had a pretty pretty solid quote. He said that keyboards, social media, technology, he said it's made it way too easy for people to say what they want without getting hit in the face. Ooh. Very true. A lot, lot of truth in that. Yeah. And I, I would not, not want to be hit by Of all the people in the world to be hit in the face by, well, he's he's got to be. Or bit by. 
Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about true. that. He does have quite a chomp on him as well. Yes, he does. But that was, so my favorite, let me just say my favorite quote, no names, because we don't, we're not into that. We're not trying to, my favorite quote was, I bet you're tired trying to get over yourself, man. And I think there was a lot that, that reigned in as that being the top quote that uh, I just, I like, bless your heart. <laughs> but just the simple, bless your heart. Bless yeah. your heart. That says a lot of things. Yeah. It? But playing devil's advocate here, you know, some people, they they have reason for yeah. caution like that. Uh, before the kids started to school, I think Britain was in school, but Case was still at home. Major hadn't even been born yet. There was that that notorious white van going around try asking people if they want to buy a detergent and whatnot. I don't remember so, that. Supposedly, these people are scouts. They'll, they'll go when they pretend to be salesmen, but what they're doing is they're looking to see who's home. And they're looking to see what you got. So, I know there. I mean, you, you can't let your guard down. Mm-hmm. But also, there's that balance. Yeah. At, at the same time, you know, it, it could have been worse. I mean, we we've seen worse. That was a couple of years ago when all of our packages ended up off in that ravine down the road. That's what somebody said. It, this is these are they said these are the kind of people that cause our packages to be thrown up in the ravine. <laughs> you know, that, that get uh, on the the, the drivers. Yeah. Well, just like to piggyback off what Coach said about showing each other consideration, man. Just I try not to comment. That's yeah. just kind of my policy. Yeah. Even though you you have some one liners that you may like to say that be a little, be funny, but it's because of what you said, and because I had a bad experience of my own. I had my mentality turned on me one time. I learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I've learned my lesson. But you, you don't know the situation. I don't know who that person was. I don't know what they've had in their past. I don't know what they fear. I don't know any of that. So you made a good point there. Consideration is a good, is a good word. Yeah. Just. But I did it early on in the book of face. So I was a lot younger. And a sensitive topic came up that I was passionate about. Because we all, every one of us has something, a heel that we want to die on or a passion that we're willing to, you know. What was yours? I'm not sharing that. Come on. No way. I'm not sure. You could make me share it. <coughs> well, but I mean, let me just tell you what happened. So let me just tell you what happened. I thought that I was in the majority. And so I make this statement that I thought surely I was going to be in the majority. Everybody was going to come alongside. Yeah, man, that was a good one. You know, not what happened. And man, I felt horrible. You know, because that's just a sick feeling. You think that you're kind of, you're in, you're in the right. Cause we can do that. Even when we're in the wrong, we can feel like we're in the right. Yeah. And man, it was a horrible feeling. Cause I got mobbed in that situation. I used to be a bad, bad Alabama fan. I know coach Vines will debate that now. Used to. Mm. Yeah, I went with bad, bad. I've downgraded to just bad. Single. I had two bads, but I used to, I used to fire shots when Alabama would lose. Mm-hmm. Like, Talk about why they did, and well, at least we're still not so and so, whatever. No need in that. Well, yeah, I don't play. If no, I was playing, maybe, but I don't. Right. I don't play. I didn't even go to University of Alabama. You know. Yeah, I didn't I'm not either. Coach Vines. I went to a lot of colleges, like you did. I never went to University of Alabama. I just try to keep it all best of the SEC. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> 
Well, that's good. So that was a, that was some excitement. I guess the conclusion there: be careful what you post. You don't. You may not always have everybody with you when you make a post. Mm-hmm. And I guess if you make something that's on the edge, you might be just get ready for the fallout. Because Hayden came alive, buddy. That's right. When you put it out there, it's out there. It's out there. That's true. Even if you delete it, they're still going to chew on the scraps that are left behind. Yeah, she even came back and said, well, look what I've done. I've kept y'all in this chat for six hours talking about something. So she even, that was kind of, I think the only thing I saw where she came back and talked about how everybody was still talking about it. But anyway, so let's conclude with Pokemon. Small, small world. You just never know. And this goes back to, you got to be careful how you treat people because you just never know. So we covered that, in in short, if you didn't listen to the episode, I'll give it to you. So there was two young kids at Hayden. One had a couple of good cards, and he traded a couple of good cards to another kid for his whole, basically, portfolio. It was like a book of cards. So we got a couple of cards being traded for a whole book. Mom reached out. Mom and Dad reached out asking if they could get the trade back because the kid had remorse. Right. Anyway, there was reconciliation. They found the kids. They found the cards. Everything was put back together. So this week, I was out for a run and had an adverse event. Ended up getting kind of, I had a run in with a, with a local dog. During that time, I ran into the dad of the kid. So here's what was awesome. I was sitting there talking to him, and he looks at me, and he says, you sound so familiar. You, know, you don't hear that a lot. You know, you look familiar, whatever. You sound so familiar. And I asked him, I said, well, I don't, re- I don't really know. I said, you don't listen to podcasts, do you? And he said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a delivery truck driver. I listen to podcasts all day long. I said, well, have you ever listened to the Hayden Alabama podcast? And he said, are you Philip?" <laughs> he said, I'm a, I'm a listener. He listens every week. And I thought, man, that's a small world. Not only did we cover a topic that included his son, then here he is. He's a listener of the show, and you run into him on the street. So I thought that was awesome. Small was world. Cool. Good encounter. Speaking of mob mentalities, mobba animals got after you this week, didn't they? Well, that's a whole other story. We're going to follow up on that. I've got a video okay. as well that I might could share, but that was that was the that was the time I All was right. trying to escape the dog, and okay. he was going to come to my rescue to help me out. So it was a good deal. Sounds good. It's a good deal. Anything else? Coach Vines, you got anything else before we tie this thing up? No, I think I've wasted enough everybody's time. No, you did great, man. You gave some solid gold. I know I learned some things. Maybe they didn't. I did. So, Well, I got one last question for Heath before we go. Uh, several weeks back, we mentioned uh, your boy Will and, and Heath. I'm uh, not Heath. Uh, Taylor McAdams. They're going to be going off to college together at Knox. You want to give us a little update on that? What's a check-in date or reporting date? Uh, any kind of plan for position, anything like that? Um, don't have a, a an exact check-in date yet, but it's going to be probably the third to fourth week of July for Will. Uh, he may have to go a little bit early because he's they're planning on him playing quarterback. Um, at least that's right now. Now their linebacker coach said that if he's not in the running for starting or backing up this year, that he may play some linebacker just to, till he is in the running for quarterback. Um, but I think their official date is the, like August 1st, that they both have to be up there. Um, and, you know, as far as, far as we know, they're going to roommate together, which is going to be great because that's 10 hours away. And mm. I think the coaches realize that the best chance of them staying up there that far away is if they got a buddy mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, they're both excited. Uh, they played together, you know, Will's first year ever playing. 
And so now they're going to get to go play in college together. So they're excited about that. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens now. As I've told both of them, enjoy the time the good Lord gives you playing, but it's about your education. And, and uh, the school is a, a top-notch academic uh, school. I think they're ranked number nine in the nation uh, academically. Um, wow. So, it, yeah, it, it's really, really tough. Um Will, Will's plans right now are is, is to graduate in – he wanted to graduate in three years from up there so he could get on into the master's program in nursing back at UAB. But the coaches informed him that he would graduate in three years and one semester because they wanted him to be there his senior year to play football. So, okay. obviously, he's going to try that. But, you know, they're excited. Um, right now, he's, like I said, baseball. And then as soon as those lights go out at the baseball field – and hopefully late April, early May, if we're still traveling through state playoffs, um, you know, both of them have to be working out, conditioning, running stadiums, getting ready, because it's not like high school ball. You don't mm -hmm. show up and then get in shape. At college, you better come in ready to play or you're way behind everybody else because, as I told both of them, now you're the little fish in the barrel again. You're a freshman and they'll be, uh, for instance, in Will's situation, he was all excited, you know, the quarterback was graduating. And the coach was like, hey, we want you to come in and compete as a freshman. Uh, we think you got a chance to play as a freshman. And then this past week he got word that the fifth-year senior is coming back for a sixth year to claim his COVID year and play one more All right. year. So he was kind of, yeah. And then he was like, no, that just means i got to work out harder. You know, Boy, he's just not ready to hang his pads up, is he? Basically. And so, you know, so – as Will said, it's time to time to get ready because I mm -hmm. got to compete with a guy that's been there and started for three years. Chances are slim, but I'm still going to come in and try to compete. Yeah. You know, and and that's the best attitude you can have. And uh, if you're a freshman, that means you're four years behind mm -hmm. a bunch of people on that staff. You know, on that team. So well, worst uh, case scenario, he's got a veteran there to learn from. And, and I think it's the best. I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. And I told Will that I said I think it's best that you have someone in a new offense to pattern after. Somebody mm -hmm. that started, like I said, this would be his third year as a starter um, versus you coming straight out of high school, learning new offense, and as an 18-year-old kid, hey, go play on Saturday. Right. That, that's Some get to do that. Usually those guys have bunches of stars by their name, and they're going to make millions one day. Most freshmen don't start. And so mm -hmm. I, I think it's better for him. Uh, I think the same with Taylor. Uh, he'll have a chance to, to get on the field this year and make plays. But at the same time, I think they have a, a pretty good running back core and that's going to give him a little time, you know, to get his feet on the ground at the college level. So, All right, last question. Knox College is located just outside of Chicago? It's about, um, we'll say, an hour and a half west of Chicago. Okay. Uh, it's in Galesburg, Illinois, which is really close to the Iowa line, about an hour, 30 minutes okay. from Iowa. Uh, so it's, it's way up there. Uh, it's going to be a big change for these two boys. I know back in – Take your thermals. Well, back in like January, February, we were having a day that we got out of school early for possible tornadoes, and it was like 72 degrees. And the uh, one of the coaches that he stays in contact with every day messaged him and said, hey, we're getting ready for about another four or five inches of snow. And Will was like, well, we're out for a tornado and 70 degrees. And the coach literally told him, y'all boys are in trouble. Y'all better go hit the thrift stores and find – <laughs> thermals and jackets and toboggans because the average low there is like 11 or 12 degrees for january and february man so it's, it's going to be a, a change for some southern kids hmm. so we're but, proud of them well it's, it's an exciting time every kid in america that plays any sport 
dreams of going and playing college, mm-hmm. whether it's SEC, Division II, NAIA, Division III, junior college, it doesn't matter. That's that's what their dream is. And, and I'm tickled. Uh, both of these boys have worked hard. Uh, I've known them. Taylor spent a bunch of nights at my house. My son's spent a bunch of nights at his house kind of thing. So, you know, uh, I, I'm tickled for them. They've worked hard. Um you know, they, they, they're getting everything they can out of their body. You know, the good Lord didn't make us all 6'5 and 240 and running a 4'4", so you got to get what, what you can. And I think both of them have really put emphasis into being the best they can be. And, and so, and they've done it the right way. You know, uh, uh, they represent the good Lord in what they do and how they act. And, and you know, that's, that's the key. Because if all else fails, hopefully it'll give them a platform to reach somebody there along the go. way. So. Uh, well, good deal. Appreciate you coming on and giving us all the information today. And well, I hope I didn't make everybody dumber. No, no, no. We just nine I, years I have, of higher education. Yeah, I told you where I do my hunting at. So appreciate you giving some insight. It's cheaper on that. if you do it that way. Is it? Oh yeah, it's cheaper if you go well, buy. No doubt. I, I could go buy filet mignon for what a deer costs me. Well, tell you what, nature will provide what the grocery store may not one day. We're just a, a matter of minutes away from that all ending. When the zombie apocalypse happens, we can survive. True. That's right. That is true. Not a bad skill to have. You good? I'm good. Anything Coach Bynes, thanks again. My pleasure. Brad, always a pleasure. And to the Hayden community out there and beyond, I'm Philip. I'm Brad. See y'all next time. See ya. <laughs>